The poem this morning is by Jewish-American activist Aurora Levins Morales. It is called Ve'ahavta. My apologies to anyone who does speak Hebrew because clearly I do not. But Ve'ahavta is the first word of the Shema prayer, which is traditionally recited every morning and every evening. Ve'ahavta is translated into English as, you shall love. Here, Morales is offering us another version of you shall love. Say these words when you lie down and when you rise up, when you go out and when you return, in times of mourning and in times of joy, inscribe them on your doorposts, embroider them on your garments, tattoo them on your shoulders, teach them to your children, your neighbors, your enemies, Recite them in your sleep, here in the cruel shadow of empire. Another world is possible. Thus spoke the prophet Roque Dalton. All together they have more death than we, but all together we have more life than they. There is more bloody death in their hands than we could ever wield, unless we lay down our souls to become them, and then we will lose everything. So instead, imagine winning. This is your sacred task. This is your power. Imagine every detail of winning. The exact smell of the summer streets in which no one has been shot. The muscles you've never unclenched from worry, gone soft as newborn skin. The sparkling taste of food when we know that no one on earth is hungry, that the beggars are fed, that the old man under the bridge and the woman wrapping herself in thin sheets in the back seat of a car and the children who suck on stones nest under a flock of roofs that keep multiplying their shelter. Lean with all your being towards that day. When the poor of the world shake down a rain of good fortune out of the heavy clouds and justice rolls down like waters. Defend the world in which we will win as if it were your child. It is your child. Defend it as if it were your lover. It is your lover. When you inhale and when you exhale, breathe the possibility of another world into the 37.2 trillion cells of your body until it shines with hope. Then imagine more. Imagine rape is unimaginable. Imagine war is a scarcely credible rumor that the crimes of our age, the grotesque inhumanities of greed, the sheer and astounding shamelessness of it, the vast fortunes made by stealing lives, the horrible normalcy it came to have is unimaginable to our heirs, the generations of the free. Don't waver. Don't let despair sink its sharp teeth into the throat with which you sing. Escalate your dreams. Make them burn so fiercely that you can follow them down any dark alleyway of history and not lose your way. Make them burn clear as a starry drinking gourd over the grim fog of exhaustion and keep walking. Hold hands, share water, keep imagining so that we and the children of our children's children may live. Here ends our reading.
Another world is possible. Aurora Levins Morales tells us, say these words when you lie down and when you rise up, when you go out and when you return, in times of mourning and in times of joy, another world is possible. I don't know about you, but sometimes I really need this reminder. It's so easy to lose heart these days. The dysfunction and deliberate cruelty disseminating from our civic and corporate institutions is unrelenting. Pain and fear is stoked at every turn, and it's easy to despair for the future. The magnitude of it all is overwhelming. The world's hurts are so many, what can we really do in the face of so much injustice? It's at times like this when despair is beckoning me that I need to remind myself that the world is rarely changed in grand historic gestures, although those do come, but just as important, if not more so, are the countless tiny actions in the service of a more just world that we perform every day. The many ways we are called to question business as usual the ways we are asked to imagine something other than the status quo. This goes beyond just resistance, although we are absolutely called to resist these systems of oppression that continue to endanger lives and confine spirits. In addition to the necessary and life-saving work of resistance, we are simultaneously being called to the vital and life-enhancing work of imagination. If the work of resistance is saying no to that which denies life its fullness and dignity, the work of imagination is what is required to open a space into which an alternative version of the truth of the future can grow. Imagination is the means by which we begin to say yes. President and CEO of the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, the Reverend Mary Catherine Morin says, our lack of imagination is a tool of empire. It's how power gets away with conceding nothing. And again, the youth are leading us. They have the courage to imagine something more, a new way. They know it will not be easy. Imagining something more takes courage because it asks something of us. What is being asked of us, we might wonder. Letting go of the need to be comfortable to be in control for one. Learning to risk more for an uncertain possibility is another. This is not easy. What helps me get into a space of courageous imagination is turning to the words of those justice lovers and fierce dreamers who came before us and to the example of the bold and creative social change leaders of today. I have the great fortune of working with such people daily. As you heard, I work for the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, or UUSC, as we're more commonly known. Now, I know there are some people in this room who are supporters of UUSC and have been so for many years. Thank you so, so much. And I'm also aware that there are probably some among you this morning who had no idea that UUSC exists, that there's an international human rights organization grounded in Unitarian Universalism that has been a powerful force for justice since its founding 80 years ago in response to the rise of Nazism. 
Our work is based on a partnership model that centers the experience and leadership of the people who are most impacted by injustice. What we mean by partnership includes financial support we give in the form of grants to some of the scrappiest, most creative and courageous groups of people you can imagine who are working for justice, often under very dangerous conditions. But we also support and flank their efforts in other ways. We arrange and fund convenings, so people in similar struggles half a world away can meet each other and compare strategies and learn from one another. We do innovative research that bolsters our partners' claims with hard data and with powerful personal stories of what they're living through. Through the College of Social Justice, we bring delegations to learn from our partners and send volunteers with particular skill sets that our partners request. Over the past year, for instance, we've sent well over 100 Spanish-speaking volunteers to the border to help with the ongoing humanitarian crisis there. And we help educate and mobilize our members, people like you, to make more effective advocates and activists, whether by lobbying Congress in Washington or accompanying asylum seekers in their own communities. And this is what has brought me to you today, my friends. Our partners at the TPS Alliance have asked UUSC for help. Specifically, they've asked us to activate our network of supporters in Kentucky, and I'll tell you why that is shortly. So when they asked us to reach out to Unitarian Universalists in Kentucky, the UU Church of Lexington was at the top of our list. Your commitment to grassroots organizing and justice activism is seen and appreciated. Thank you. I had a feeling you would want to help, and my conversations with Brian convinced me that we were coming to the right people. So what is it that our partners at the TPS Alliance think we can do to help them? They want us to write letters to our U.S. senators asking them to provide a pathway to citizenships for people with temporary protected status, or TPS. TPS is a form of relief from deportation for immigrants who cannot safely return to their countries of origin. Since the Immigration Act of 1990, when Congress first designated temporary protected status, the United States has provided a refuge for people fleeing ongoing armed conflict or environmental disasters such as earthquakes and hurricanes in their home countries. Currently, most TPS holders in the U.S. come from the countries of El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. These countries have endured some of the most extreme violence against civilian populations and devastating natural disasters in recent decades. Many of the TPS holders from these countries have been building lives in the United States for years, sometimes decades. They have jobs and have bought houses. They've started businesses. They've fallen in love and now have children. They pay taxes. They are integral parts of their community. And in 2017, the current administration moved to cancel temporary protected status for people from Sudan, Nicaragua, Haiti, El Salvador, Honduras, and Nepal. This decision directly jeopardizes the lives of nearly 400,000 people living lawfully in the United States right now. An estimated 300,000 U.S. citizen children have at least one parent who is a TPS holder. Make no mistake, 
Ending TPS is yet another form of family separation. Canceling this program threatens tearing these 400,000 families apart through deportation. These numbers are so big as to almost feel meaningless. That's why I shared the story of Maricela this morning, whose father was suddenly ripped away from her. And that's why after the service, we're going to get a chance to hear directly from some Salvadoran American teenagers whose families endure the uncertainty of the decision to cancel TPS every day. They share what it's like for them to never know if today is the day when ICE agents disappear their parents. No young person should have to face that kind of stress, nor have to wrestle with the decision of either trying to survive in the U.S. without their parents or be deported along with their parents to attempt to make a new life in an unstable country that they've never even visited before. For many parents who are TPS holders, this is their worst fear. Not that they themselves will be deported, but that their children will be forced to go with them to countries where young people are especially at risk for violence or death. Perhaps you saw the latest report by the Human Rights Watch that came out at the beginning of February. The report highlighted the dismal reality faced by migrants and asylum seekers deported back to El Salvador. Since 2013, Human Rights Watch says, 138 people who had been deported from the U.S. back to El Salvador were murdered. An additional 70 people were sexually assaulted or tortured upon their return. This is bleak. This is what folks facing the cancellation of their TPS status are contending with. After years of following all the rules, of having their paperwork in order, of enduring interviews by government officials and background checks every six months, of doing everything right, that they and their families might lose everything and be forced back into dangerous situations they fled from in the first place. But this is where we come in. The House of Representatives has passed legislation called the Dream and Promise Act of 2019, or HR 6, a bill that creates a pathway to permanent residency for people with TPS. But so far, HR 6 has not even come up for discussion in the Senate. Our senators need to hear that this issue matters to us, their constituents, as people of faith and conscience. And you, my Lexington siblings, have an especially important role to play in this fight because it is Mitch McConnell who decides that this issue, <laughs> he decides that this issue will even make it onto the Senate's legislative agenda. He needs to know that people are paying attention and that we care. I hope many of you will stay after the service to learn more about TPS and to write some letters to Mitch. Another world is possible. Imagination can be a tool for destruction or creation. It took imagination to implement the family separation policies designed to detour people from seeking safety within our borders. It takes imagination to convince the American public that migrants are a threat to them, even though no facts bear that out. What gives me hope, though, is that imagination fuels human ingenuity and resilience too. In the midst of so much greed and fear and cruelty, there are communities 
communities where abundant life resides. People who remember that we survive together or not at all. People who dare do not what is safe, but what is right. People who will say what is true and will not be silenced anymore. Thus spoke the prophet Roque Dalton, altogether they have more death than we, but altogether we have more life than they. My work with UUSC has given me the opportunity to meet some of our UUSC partners in person. I've had the honor of hearing their stories of what they endured to come to the United States for the sake of their families, for their own lives. What stands out to me over and over is the imagination they needed, especially in the most dire of circumstances, to envision another world was possible for them, another life. I'm thinking of Carolina, who walked from Honduras to the Arizona border to ask for asylum. As a trans woman, she fled her home in fear for her life after her father tried to kill her. While her asylum case was pending, she was forced to stay in a U.S. immigration detention center for three years. When she was finally granted asylum, she met several other trans women who were navigating the same immigration system. Together, they formed a community called Casa Mariposa, which offers a safe place to stay and support for LGBTQ migrants in Tucson and in nearby detention facilities. I'm thinking of Miguel, a man who spent his life in the border towns of Nogales, Arizona, and Sonora, Mexico, who has witnessed during the last 25 years these towns go from being virtually indistinguishable from each other to having an enormous barrier of concrete, steel mesh, and barbed wire cut through his home like a wound. Miguel now gives tours of the barrier wall to visitors so that people who don't live in border towns can see what it's really like. From the armed guard towers to the families who gather for meals on a few gritty patches of bare earth on either side of the barrier to talk and share a meal. They can't touch, but at least they can see each other. And I'm thinking of the brave youth of the TPS Alliance who took their pain and their worry and created a play, a collaborative act of storytelling to share their experiences with the broader audience so that others might understand what is at stake for TPS holders in this country right now. It is their stories we will delve into after the service today. The work that Carolina and Miguel and the TPS kids are doing the work that all of UUSC's partner organizations are doing begin as acts of imagination with the question, what would it look like if things were different? How can I help create that right now, right where I am? This is a question we can all ask. Another world is possible. As Unitarian Universalists, we want that world to be one that celebrates the inherent dignity of every human being, a world where everyone has a safe place to call home. And the good news is, my friends, we already have the tools we need to create it. We do. With your support and collaboration, UUSC will continue upholding Unitarian Universalist values by working alongside the grassroots groups around the world who are challenging injustice, defending human rights, and fighting for a more just, equitable, and regenerative world.
As the author and human rights activist Arun Hanti Roy tells us, another world is not only possible, she is on her way. And on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Please join me in saying amen. <laughs>